ladies and gentlemen, and non-binaries, and all other types of people. This is the Widescreen Podcast, show number 303. Those of you with very acute hearing will no likely uh, hear that my voice is um, not normally what it would be. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the reasons why this podcast is so particularly late this month. My voice was pretty much gone for about two weeks. What you're hearing now is infinitely better than what I sounded like even a week ago. So, yeah, I'm not about to make a podcast under those circumstances. Uh, at least at least with this one, you know, you can understand what I'm saying. But, I mean, s- since the role of this podcast is to cure your insomnia and to help you get to sleep better because I'm so freaking boring, which I understand, and at least I do serve that purpose in society. I do trust that the the um, extra raspiness won't keep you awake. So should I be doing this podcast with my voice sounding like it is? Eh, eh, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea what it, what it's from. Uh, we went to PAX. PAX East was awesome. Uh, for those of you who play uh, the video game Portal, or even if you don't play Portal, you probably know who GLaDOS is was a wonderful villain, one of the best villains in video game history. I got to meet her voice actress. Ellen McLean was there at PAX East, and I not only got her autograph, I got a picture with her, and I told her straight up, I've been playing video games since the late 70s, early 80s, and GLaDOS is one of my favorite characters ever. And she got this cheeky smile and said, I do make a good villain, don't I? It was awesome. It totally, totally worth the tickets just for that moment. But unfortunately, I don't, I honestly don't know if I caught something at PAX that, that caused this or if it was a matter of the fact that any kind of video game convention like that is actually very stressful. People don't understand that. I mean, you get there early to avoid as much of the crowd as possible, to get as good of a parking spot as possible. And then you stand in line waiting for the show floor to open, which could be as much as two hours, depending on how early you get there. And then you're walking around until you leave, which generally we left normally after the show floor closed at about six o'clock. So you're on your feet, you're walking, you're talking, you're, you're not eating right because, you know, you bring a lot of snacks with you because you don't want to pay $15 for a hamburger and fries at the convention center. I mean, my daughter and I are night owls. We will stay up until the wee hours of the morning when given the opportunity. And we were asleep by 10 o'clock every night because it it wears you out. And that reduces your immune system. So, I mean, my daughter didn't get sick. Her best friend who came with us also didn't get sick. I got hit with something. I don't know. Maybe it was because of my asthma. But I got hit with some kind of a chest and sinus cold. But no pains, no no aches, no fevers, nothing like that. It was just a lot of runny nose, a lot of coughing, and a lot of the coughing is what caused my voice to end up sounding like this at one point. Just constant coughing and coughing and coughing and, and, you know, you know how stupid the human body is. You've got stuff in your lungs, but you can't cough it up. But your lungs know that it's there because you can feel that little vibration when you breathe. So suddenly it's like, oh, you got to cough it up, even though you can't cough it up. So you keep trying. Oh, God. <sighs> the human body is so stupid. Although in fairness, in fairness, it's not nearly as stupid as a woman's monthly visitor. I mean, think about that. Oh, well, 
No baby this month, so let's tear down the walls to the nursery and rebuild it in case we need a baby next month. Mm, in some ways, I'm glad to be a guy. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So that's why my voice is still not where it should be. So hopefully you can deal with that. But that also means I'm going to try to make this podcast as short as possible because I really don't want to stress my voice too much. But I'll give you fair warning. There will be moments as I'm recording where my voice will sound raspy and then the next instant it won't sound as raspy. And that's because I had to clear my throat. So the the, the wonders of editing and pausing when recording. So anyway, we'll get to the show notes now, and hopefully this will be a shorter podcast than normal. If you have any device that uses Google TV, whether it's Chromecast with Google TV or a TV that has Google TV OS built into it, you now or very shortly will have access to over 800 free TV channels that Google has been adding, including Tubi, Plex, we all know that I love Plex, Pluto TV uh, and says over 800 channels and premium programming, including news channels, uh, news channels from around the world, programming in more than 10 different languages. So if you see your device updated or it prompts you to update, you might want to do that so you can get a whole bunch of of new channels to it. Uh, It says that the new live TV experience will be available over the next few weeks on all Google TV devices in the U.S., including Chromecast with Google TV and TVs from Sony, TCL, Hisense, and Philips that use Google TV. And it says that we plan to bring the new TV guide and free channels to eligible Android TV devices later this year. Uh, They do specify that this is U.S. only, but, I mean, they're not saying that it won't come to other countries. So, you know, I'm assuming that it's going to be a test run in the U.S. and or else maybe the U.S. is catching up to to the rest of the world. Who knows? Warner Brothers Discovery has decided to, I don't necessarily understand. I mean, I guess I kind of do, but at the same time, I don't. HBO Max is no longer going to be called HBO Max. It's simply going to be called Max. That's it. They're rebranding their streaming service to be called Max. It's going to combine programming from HBO Max and Discovery, and is set to go live on May 23rd. Now, what's interesting about this is that even though they are still bringing discovery content into this they're leaving they're leaving discovery plus as its own streaming service now apparently this is because there was a lot of pushback from diehard discovery plus fans who want discovery plus but don't want the extra cost of having to pay for max when all they want is what discovery plus offers so apparently the breakdown is going to be what they call the ad light version which is ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year two concurrent streams hd only uh, no offline downloads. Then there's the ad free, which is going to be $16 a month or $150 a year, still uh, 1080p, uh, up to 30 offline downloads. And then the max ultimate ad free, $20 a year or two, sorry, $20 a year, $200 a year or $20 a month, four concurrent streams, uh, up to Ultra HD. 100 offline downloads and Dolby Atmos sound quality. So the first two are pretty much what HBO Max currently is at, so that's not going to change. But now they have the ultimate ad-free added onto that if you've got Ultra HD or you want that many more downloads. So this might not mean a whole bunch to a lot of people outside the U.S., but Roku is the largest streaming platform in the U.S., whether it's standalone devices or built into 
TV operating systems or whatever. Uh, but Disney Plus Basic launched four months ago, but yet it was not available on Roku because, you know, they couldn't come to terms about profit sharing and, and all that other good stuff. It is now available on the Roku platform. So the Disney Plus Basic is $8 a month, and they have updated their Help Center page by, by letting Roku users know that they can access Disney Plus Basic by updating their Disney Plus app. And finally, if you subscribe to YouTube TV, get ready to pay more for it. They are raising their monthly base price from $65 a month to 73 It will take effect on the first billing cycle on or after April 18th. But, interestingly... They're lowering the cost for their Ultra HD or 4K add-on from $20 a month to $10 a month. Kind of an unusual mix, but, you know, if you use YouTube TV, you might argue you might not. If you don't have Ultra HD, you might not like the price hike. Not much going on in the hardware space. Obviously, CES was only a few months ago. That's the big time when new TVs and, and new uh, AV products and so forth get announced. But those of you who have been here for a while know that I am and will always be a huge fan of 3D. And I'm waiting for the day when finally there is some kind of new technology breakthrough that allows the family to watch 3D without glasses because that's when 3D is going to come back and probably going to come to stay. I've mentioned before that James Cameron and Dolby Laboratories have been working on this. And I've mentioned in previous episodes that there are actually some smaller, com not companies, but like there's smaller displays that have been used a lot, utilizing glasses 3D, glasses free 3D, mostly for development purposes. Well, Sony has come out with yet another one. It's a 27 inch Ultra HD display that can deliver 3D content without the need for additional hardware. Now, once again, this isn't for the home yet, yet. Uh, they say that the device is designed for use by architects, engineers, industrial designers, software and game developers, and various other professions. So they are targeting the professional market for this. It says that it's also using facial tracking technology and a wide viewing angle to allow users to view 3D content consistently from a number of different vantage points, which certainly is a better opportunity than what they had before, which was, oh, well, we have glasses-free 3D, but you have to sit in certain sweet spots which is a, that's a pain in the ass. So again, like so many other technologies, the idea, hopefully, is that this will gain enough traction in a professional space or people who simply are willing to pay for it that they realize, okay, this technology works. Let's see if we can make it a little bit bigger and maybe get it down to the consumer level. I know James Cameron would absolutely love that to happen. But right now, unfortunately, the ELF SR2 is $5,000. So, yeah, not exactly something that would be in the, the uh, normal budget for a, a gamer or uh, anybody who still has 3D content. You know, I, I've still got all my 3D Blu-rays, not getting rid of them. And thankfully, there are still places that are restoring old 3D movies. Oh, I, well, I've mentioned them in the podcast before. That they're, they're going back and restoring old 3D movies, even if they're not necessarily great movies. doesn't matter. The preservation is what matters. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll come back finally. The glasses were always the biggest complaint. And I have my own gripes. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know what my gripes are. But maybe, maybe 3D might yet come back in my lifetime and stay. We'll see. Not, not 
going to hold my breath. Not going to go over box office results because, well, if you've listened, you know the reason. By the time you hear this, the box office results probably won't matter. But Super Mario Brothers has opened to a huge $204 million just in the U.S. with a record $375 million globally. That completely shattered expectations, broke numerous records. That makes it the top opening of all time for an animated film in the worldwide market. And what was also interesting is that you would think that this would mostly be a movie for, you know what, you want to say kids, although really, I guess it really would apply to just gamers. Uh, But 60% of the ticket buyers were between 18 and 34. So, you know, your, your average young adult gamers, I guess. And what was also noticed on that weekend is that Amazon Studios, which again is testing, actually giving its movies theatrical releases, uh, saw its debut title, Air, starring Ben Affleck, open to a better than expected $20 million. But that was the opening weekend for those movies. Since then, Super Mario Brothers has crossed the $500 million mark globally. So as of yesterday, as I record this, it has grossed $260 million here in the U.S., uh, or I guess they say domestically, that's probably the U.S. and Canada. Internationally, $248 million, which means it has brought in $508 million so far. It's only been out for two weeks. Uh, so right now, it is that makes it the number two animated film uh, since 2019. Right now, it's currently behind Minions Rise of Gru, which brought in $942 million globally, and it's likely to surpass that. That also makes the Super Mario Brothers movie the highest-grossing video game adaptation ever on a global basis, uh, overtaking Warcraft from 2016 and Pokemon Directive Pi- Directive Detective Pikachu from 2019. So, hey, unlike a uh, <clears throat> previous Mario movie, looks like they actually got this one right. But even with that, not everything is roses. With the good things, you got to get the bad things. So the top five biggest losing money making you know, or money losing movies of 2022 have been released. So they start off with Walt Disney's Strange World, which has lost roughly 152 million dollars. Amsterdam from New Regency and Disney has a loss of 108 million dollars. Once again, Disney, again, Pixar's Lightyear had a loss of $106 million. Devotion from Black Label Media and Sony had a loss of $89 million. And Babylon from Paramount comes in at number five with a loss of $87 million. But, I mean, I guess it could be said that at least they're not John Carter, which lost upwards of $236 million dollars. Well, that's adjusted for inflation, but it lost $200 million, upwards of $200 million, when it was initially released. But still, even though lots of uh, last year's flops were from Disney, it's not like they can't afford it. I'll take it from here. Miles, being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. I can't do that. I can do both! Spider-Man, always! Not always. What about Uncle Ben? If not for Uncle Ben, most of us wouldn't be here. Can't stop me now! You can't run forever, kid! 
I can't lose one more friend. Gals isn't what we talked about. You knew? I had no idea what you're doing. Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. As you probably guessed, that is the latest trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, going to be coming out in theaters on June 2nd. Obviously not the full trailer, duh. But hey, link in the show notes, you knew that. For those of you who love the Paddington movies, the long-awaited threequel movie, Paddington in Peru, is on course to start production on July 24th. So it's been six years since the second film, uh, and so right now plot details, obviously, they're not talking about it. But obviously, as the title suggests, the movie is going to see Paddington going into deepest, darkest Peru, as they say here, which is the country of his birth. The two previous Paddington movies brought in uh, over $500 million between them, so it's no real surprise that number three is on the way. One of the things that a lot of Marvel fans have been waiting for ever since Disney bought Fox is a reboot, a very necessary reboot, of Fantastic Four. Obviously, the uh, 2015 film starring, or sorry, directed by Josh Trank did not do well. And part of that is because director Josh Trank, well, he really should not have been the director of that movie. Apparently, he didn't, he has never cared for the superhero genre. Red flag number one. He kept arguing with screenwriter Jeremy Slater. Problem number two. He apparently despised the fact that Kate Mara was hired to be uh, Sue Storm, which, <laughs> red flag number three. And, and simply a whole bunch of issues that happened on the set that, yeah, it was it was doomed to fail. So a lot of people have been waiting for a reboot of that, and it is in the works. Josh Friedman, who worked on Avatar The Way of the Water, The Way of Water, has been brought on to rewrite the script. And Matt Shackman, who is the key director behind the WandaVision series, is on board to be the director. So right now, it has a release date of November 8th, 2024, and is set to kick off Phase 6 of the Marvel Universe. The John Wick spin-off Ballerina, starring Anna de Armas, has now, uh, it now has a release date of June 7th, 2024. Uh, there's nothing else to talk about on this one, I guess. It says that Ballerina sees de Armas star as an assassin, trained in the traditions of the Ruska Roma. She uses her killer skills to get revenge when her family is killed by hitmen, because, of course... Uh, the pick also stars Angelica Houston, Gabriel Byrne, the late Lance Reddick, oh yes, Norman Reedus, Ian McShane, and Keanu Reeves. So, uh, yeah, there you go, June 7th, 2024. And yeah, speaking of Lance Reddick, unfortunately, uh, Lance Reddick, who played in all four John Wick films, uh, as well as TV series The Wire, Fringe, and a number of others, has died. He was even doing interviews for John Wick Chapter 4, you know, the week the week before he died. So he also, his main, uh, his most famous role is most likely The Wire from HBO, uh, but he also starred in Law and Order, CSI Miami, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, not only was he reprising his role in Ballerina, but he was also going to be in the White Men Can't Jump remake, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, and a number of other movies. But for those of you who are gamers... Probably his two most famous roles are those of Commander Zavala. I hope I got that one right. Uh, in Destiny, I don't play Destiny. But for me, it was his role as Silence in Horizon Zero Dawn 
and Horizon Forbidden West. So, I mean, I will admit there's there's going to be one more Horizon game coming out. They've always said that they wanted to be a trilogy. So I'm I don't I'm curious as to what they're going to do with Silence. Did they get enough for him already done to uh, finish the game or not? I it's going to be interesting. Cause of death, unfortunately, was listed as heart disease, the number one killer of adults in the U.S. Lance Reddick was 60. For those of you who look at various DreamWorks movies like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, How to Train Your Dragon, and a number of others that DreamWorks has done, the rendering software that they use to make their animated movies is now available, and it's open source. So the software is called Moonray, and is now available for you to download and make your own animations if you want at openmoonray.org. So this is the actual rendering software that was used for How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Crude's A New Age, The Bad Guys, and of course, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So there you go. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be easy to use. No kind of, of, of production level software like that is. But still, documentation, code access, online forums, demonstration videos, and so forth... They're all available if you want to play with it at openmoonray.org. So one movie that some friends of mine are constantly busting my chops about watching this just to watch it, and I I won't do it. <laughs> I won't do it. It I won't do it. I've got better things to do, like washing socks. But uh, it is the the infamous, the notorious, the Room by Tommy Wiseau. It it's considered to be a cinematic train wreck, one of the worst movies ever made. But of course, you know, that's the sort of thing that all of a sudden makes it appeal to people because it's so off the wall and bizarre and unconventional. So it has gained a huge cult following. Well, there's a group called Acting for a Cause, and that's a nonprofit organization that that is used to, well, basically, it's primarily their charity is AMFAR, uh, which is to try to make AIDS history, really. It's for fighting AIDS. And apparently Bob Odenkirk is on board to star in what is going to be a total green screen presentation of The Room. So again, it's for charity. And when asked if it was select scenes or the movie itself, uh, the reply was, oh, it's the full effing movie. (laughs) The Room remake does not yet have a release date. But you know what? it's, It's for charity. So uh, if a release date does become available, I will let you know. But I still won't watch it. No very big surprise here. Superman Legacy, which is going to be the next movie in the Superman franchise. Uh, it's going to take place before a time that we know. It, it Basically during his adolescent, young adult period. Uh, so yeah, James, er, James Henry Cavill will not be part of it. But not surprisingly... James Gunn has announced that he will be directing his own script for the movie Superman Legacy. And all that we have on it so far is that Superman Legacy tells the story of Superman's journey to reconcile his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringings as Clark Kent of Smallville, Kansas. So while James Gunn will look for a new Superman, uh, he and Peter Safran said that they are opening to keeping previous DC actors in place as their characters, including... Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Jason Moma as Aquaman, and possibly Ezra Miller as The Flash. Obviously, Ezra Miller has been having some run-ins with the law lately. And right now, all that we have is Superman Legacy is scheduled to be released in theaters worldwide on July 11th, 2025. 
A friend of mine forwarded this to me, and I was like, oh, that's that's very interesting. The 1984 concert film uh, from the Talking Heads called Stop Making Sense, directed by Jonathan Demme, who, who also directed uh, Silence of the Lambs in Philadelphia. Well, A24 has acquired the movie and are now restoring it in 4K for a theatrical re-release. So Stop Making Sense is a, it's a concert film. It's the Talking Heads in concert. I mean, it's technically a success. It was made for $1.2 million, but it made $5 million in box office revenue. But it has become a cult classic since then. It got a lot of play on HBO back in the 80s. Believe me, I was there. I remember. And it's considered by many critics to be one of the greatest concert films ever made. I mean, right now it's just considered to be, it, it's a cult classic more than anything else. Uh, in 2021, it was put into the United States National Film Registry. And it's, I mean, it's not considered a cult classic. So there's no release yet, no release date yet for this new remastered version. Uh, but it does say that Rhino will release a new deluxe version of the double platinum soundtrack on vinyl and digital uh, on August 18th. That will include the complete Stop Making Sense concert for the first time. So, I mean, I'm not a huge Talking Heads fan. I know a lot of their songs. I still I still own a couple of their 45s. But that is one I might have to go to the theater to see. Silent Hill fans might like hearing this. Maybe not. You never know. Jeremy Irvine and Hannah Emily Anderson are set to lead the horror reboot Return to Silent Hill. Filming is due to get underway next month in Germany and Eastern Europe on the project, which will, re- which will mark the return for the original Silent Hill director, Christoph Gans. The movie is going to be based on Silent Hill 2 uh, and will follow James, a man broken after being separated from his one true love. When a mysterious letter calls him back to Silent Hill in search of her, he finds a once recognizable town transformed by an unknown evil. As James transcends deeper into the darkness, he encounters terrifying figures, both familiar and new, and begins to question his own sanity as he struggles to make sense of reality and hold on long enough to save his lost love. There you go. So originally released in 2001 for the PlayStation 2, Silent Hill is widely Silent Hill 2 is widely considered to be the best game in the series. Well, let's hope that the uh, movie takes after that. There's been a lot of talk. Obviously, I've talked about Amazon uh, releasing their movies theatrically. They're finally understanding, hey, there's a market there. We really should be doing this. You know, even Air, their their movie, their latest movie, uh, was it only made twenty million dollars at the box office, but that was more than they expected to make. You know, and there have been a lot of directors who have been saying, hey, you know, I I want my content to be made for movie theaters. Well, Apple now apparently plans to spend $1 billion a year producing movies that will be sent to theatrical um, theatrical showings instead of streaming online. Well, I mean, not instead of, but before streaming online. So now Apple is starting to recognize that there is a demand uh, for movies in theaters. So this is a rumor, of course. Uh, citing unnamed sources, apparently the tech giant plans to release a few movies in theaters this year while ramping up its theatrical slate for a greater number of releases in future years. Of course, Apple could not be reached for direct content. Comment. Wow. Yeah, I'm get- it's getting late. It's getting late. 
And Apple, in recent discussions with major you know, theatrical exhibitors, has said that they do want to follow Amazon with their own theatrical movie push. So right now, Amazon's plan is to release 15, uh, up, upwards of 15 movies per year following its purchase last year of MGM. And since Apple doesn't, they don't own their own Hollywood studios, so they're going to be uh, working with other studios like Sony and Paramount and so forth to release their uh, movies theatrically. So, I mean, the rumor part of that really is the $1 billion, but Apple has already announced that they have set a fall release for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, and this is going to be a theatrical release. The Western crime drama stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone, and the studio will be distributing it in partnership with Paramount. So the movie is going to open on Friday, October 6th. Uh, That's to limited theaters. Then it's going to open wide on Friday, October 20th. And they don't say what the window is of exclusivity, but eventually it will start streaming on Apple TV+. Now, one of the things that has been going around for a while is that the theaters pretty much are demanding a a 30-day release window. They understand, yes, these these studios uh, or, or these production companies, they want their movies theatrically. Well, they want to be able to have a certain amount of time of exclusivity before that stuff goes into streaming. And generally, the, the range that's talked about on that one is between 20 to 30 days. The Killers of the Flower Moon centers around an FBI investigation of a series of murders of the Osage people that took place in Oklahoma in the early 1920s and became known as the Reign of Terror after oil was discovered on tribal land. So there you go. Apple is getting into the theatrical release. That's going to be out uh, wide on October 20th. Now, interestingly, we talk about you know these movies having an, an exclusive window theatrically. Well, Five Nights at Freddy's, the video game, uh, horror video game adaptation, is going theatrical and day and date on Peacock. So this is the fourth Blumhouse movie to day and date with Universal Streaming Service after Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, and Firestarter. So if you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is about, uh, it's about a security guard who begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, uh, you know, with animatronic robots and kids have lots of games and toys and stuff to play. Meanwhile, you can get pizza. If you're familiar with Chuck E. Cheese, same concept. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes that his shift at Freddy's won't be so easy because the animatronic beasties come to life and try to kill him. Uh, the movie's animatronic characters will be created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. So that will be going day and date, uh, theatrically and on Peacock on October 27th. Of course, there are a couple of date changes, nothing really fancy. Uh, James Wan's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is now going to be released a few days earlier. It's going to be released on December 20th instead of Christmas Day. That's going to open against Sony's Ghostbusters sequel. But Aquaman and Lost Kingdom is swapping with the uh, the theatrical version of the Broadway musical The Color Purple. That was supposed to be on the 20th. Now that's going to move to Christmas Day. And finally, the long-gestating Minecraft movie starring Jason Momoa gets an April 4th, 2025 release date. No idea what they're going to do with Minecraft. I mean, if, I've I've played Minecraft. My kids play Minecraft. I have a lot of friends who play Minecraft. It's digital legos i mean i just i don't i don't know what they're gonna do with that one but whatever this way. fasten your seatbelt 
there might be some tablets. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indy, give him hell, Indiana Jones. A few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. Been shot nine times, including once by your father. been looking for this all my life. I, I really don't need to explain that. <laughs> I don't need to explain a damn thing about that, except to say that that is part of the official trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Directed by James Mangold, coming to theaters June 30th. I'm pumped. I'm very excited to see that one. And if you want to see the trailer in its entirety, you know where to go. And there is some Star Wars movie news. Uh, Some people might like it, some people might not. As far as I'm concerned, J.J. Abrams is not involved. I'm thrilled. Kathleen Kennedy has revealed that there are not one, not two, but three new movies in the works. James Mangold, Dave Filioni, and Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy will direct three new Star Wars movies. And Daisy Ridley will be returning as Rey. I mean, Rey Skywalker, but we're not going to... Whatever, we're not going to go there. So according to this, Filioni's feature will be set in the so-called present. Uh, will act as a climactic event for the current Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and, of course, Ahsoka. Which is no surprise. I mean, he's the guy pretty much in charge of all three of those anyway, so it makes sense for him to do the movie. James Mangold's version is, as he's calling it, a biblical epic that would look at the origins of the Force and be set 25,000 years before any of the timelines and stories told by the movies and shows so far. So basically, it's going to be a movie about where did the Force come from, how did we discover it, and how did we learn how to use it. Obeyed Chinoy, however, apparently is going to be doing, well, basically that movie is supposed to be on Rey trying to build back the Jedi Academy and become a Jedi Master. So there we go. No timeline was was given for any of the movies. No release date, nothing. But again, as I said, J.J. Abrams is not involved, so I will gladly give all three of these movies a fair shake. Even though she's still going to be called Ray Skywalker. Whatever. And also released is a teaser trailer to the Marvels. This one is definitely a teaser. Nothing that I can play on an audio-only podcast and have it make sense. But it looks like a fun time. And of course, you know, the, the because it's going to be female-driven, of course, the, you know, the alpha male Jagovs on YouTube are already trashing it. Whatever. Get a life, guys. So anyway, if you want to see the teaser trailer for yourself, you know where to go. Chris Melodandri, Illumination founder and CEO, is teasing some upcoming movies, uh, including another Shrek movie. With the success of, of the latest Puss in Boots movie, which made almost $480 million worldwide, I guess this isn't really that much of a surprise. And of course, if it's going to be a Shrek movie, he is keen to see the original actors come back. Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy. He does say that we anticipate the cast coming back, 
Talks are starting now, and every indication that we've gotten is there's tremendous enthusiasm on behalf of the actors to return. In fact, back in January, Eddie Murphy said that if DreamWorks ever came up with another Shrek, I'd do it in two seconds. I love Donkey. So, I mean, Eddie Murphy is definitely on board. So, chances are we're going to be seeing another Shrek movie pretty soon. I know I've talked about bankruptcies before when it comes to some of the theater chains here. Chapter 11 is simply debt restructuring. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going into liquidation. And Regal World Cineworld, sorry, Regal Owner Cineworld, yeah, I'm getting tired. They went into Chapter 11 uh, a little while ago. I've mentioned it here. And it looks like they're just about ready to come out of bankruptcy. So I'm not going to go into the details of it. it. It all deals with financing and debt restructuring and blah, 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 blah. But if it's accepted uh, and implemented, it's going to reduce their debt by about $4.5 billion. But really, the important part is that it means that they're not going to go under. So if you mostly go to Regal Theaters and you were worried that they might be going under, looks like they're coming back. Director John M. Chu is currently in the UK filming Wicked for Universal Pictures. But apparently his next project, this guy clearly loves his musicals, is he is going to be filming a new version of the famous Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat for Amazon, which, you know, could also mean a theatrical release. Apparently Andrew Lloyd Webber has wanted to develop the show into a Hollywood movie for a long time. He has been seeking partners to do it. And supposedly, John Chu has been dreaming about doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I am here for it. It's, let me tell you this. If you've never seen Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, I'm telling you right now, just listen to the soundtrack. It's got great music. The music style goes all over the place. It goes from, you know, standard pop and standard Broadway fare to country and western to Calypso style, even Elvis style rock and roll. It goes all over the place, but it's a lot of fun. And I, I say, listen to the soundtrack just, just because I'm telling you right now, do not, do not rent, stream, watch, whatever. The 1999 direct-to-film version um, starring Donny Osmond. Don't get me wrong. He plays a wonderful Joseph. He has been uh, highly regarded for his ability to play Joseph, but this particular direct-to-video version is so ridiculously campy, it's unwatchable. I love Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I could not sit through this. The camp is... It, it's, it, it, he cranked it up. Not only, he didn't just crank it up to 11. He cranked it up to like 20. So obviously, uh, John M. Chu is still working with Wicked. That's going to be released in two movies, which is kind of unusual. Uh, but apparently, he will be then handling Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat after that. I hope so. And I hope he keeps the camp down uh, you know, to a minimum. This really isn't that much of a surprise, but the third Deadpool movie is coming together. They've announced that Marina Bakarin and uh, Stefan Kapisic are back to reprise their roles as Vanessa and Colossus. This comes after Ryan Reynolds recently announced that Karen Sony and Leslie Uggams are going to be reprising their roles as Dolpender and Blind Al. And of course, Sean Levy is on board to direct with Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese returning to write the script. So the whole team, the whole team is back together. Well, I guess almost the whole team. Apparently, uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead will not be part of Deadpool 3. 
or at least as of now, there is no confirmation that Negasonic Teenage Warhead is going to be back. But hey, we've still got a year and a half to find out because Deadpool 3's current release date, and this is always going to be subject to change, is now November 8th, 2024. So there's still plenty of time for other cast members to be added on. It's called the Scarab. It's some kind of world-destroying weapon. It's designed to protect its host. Sometimes it does what you want, and sometimes it doesn't. I, I think I cut a bus in half. The Scarab chose you, but it belongs to me. The love you feel for your family makes you weak. I just wanna rock. The universe has sent you a gift, and you have to figure out what you're gonna do with it. Whatever you can imagine. I can create. And that is part of the official trailer for The Blue Beetle. You know, I kept... <laughs> I'm a bad person. I kept thinking, that doesn't look anything like what I remember. And then I realized I wasn't remembering The Blue Beetle. I was... I was remembering The Tick. Oops. Anyway, the, the trailer looks really good. I will... I will warn you. Uh, when they first discover The Blue Beetle and he transforms... Uh, might be a little bit intense, but that's okay. Just, just, just remember that I warned you. Anyway, the movie comes out August 18th, and I'm actually looking forward to it. And something that I'm sure will surprise absolutely no one, Dwayne Johnson has confirmed that Disney's 2016 hit Moana is in early development for, yes, a live-action version. Johnson will also be producing, and the original film screenwriter Jared Bush, who is also known for Encanto and Zootopia, and Samoan industry pro Dana Ledoux Miller will also be taking part in the production. I guess no one should really be surprised. There's there's a live-action Lilo and Stitch in the works, although Lilo and Stitch is probably going to be released on Disney+. Plus. I would expect live-action Moana to be theatrically released, but it's, it's, right in, it's in pre-production now, so there's not much else to go on, but of course, I will let you know. I actually meant to mention this before, uh, talking about Apple working with Paramount for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, Apple is also working with Sony for a theatrical release for Ridley Scott's Napoleon. As before, Napoleon is going to have an exclusive worldwide run in theaters before eventually moving to Apple TV+. So Napoleon stars Joaquin Phoenix as the infamous French emperor and military leader, and it will be opening on November 22nd. Pixar's next movie, Elemental, is going to be shown in theaters, unlike the last few of them, to which uh, I I know that some uh, Pixar management was not happy that their latest movies were not shown theatrically and went straight to streaming. This time, it is actually going to be shown theatrically in 3D on June 16th. And if you have not yet seen the trailer, I will have it in the show notes. But I think what's going to be the big, I don't want to say the big draw for it, because, I mean, after all, it's a Pixar movie. That in itself is going to have a draw. But at the beginning of the movie, they're including a short that will probably be the real emotional pull for a lot of people. And it's called Carl's Date. Who is Carl? Carl is the exact same old man that everybody loved from Pixar's movie Up. Voiced by the late Ed Asner, it's going to be a short showing Carl on his first date since his wife died. 
And I know some of the websites out there who are reporting this were all, no, we, we can't. We, they're just not. The one said Carl's date is the new short joining Elemental in theaters, and we're not ready for that. <laughs> you know, I thought about it, and then I, I paused recording, went out and checked. Of all the 3D Blu-rays that I have, I don't have Up. That has been rectified. So the 3D Blu-ray of Up will be in my inventory by the end of the month. And finally, as I... Oh, wow, only 45 minutes. Good, because my voice needs a break. I try to save some of the some of the goofier, crazier... Th I almost said grazier. You know, goofier and crazier. It's just... it's Yeah, anyway. I try to save the goofy and crazy things that I find for the end of the show. And this is one of those where it's like... Okay. You know, people talk about, oh, I want to hold on to this because it'll be worth something someday. Well... When you hold on to something, expecting it to be worth something in the future, it's only worth as much as people are willing to pay. So if if one day an item, someone is willing to pay $10,000, but the next day, someone's only willing to pay $2,000, and the day after that, the highest you can get is someone willing to pay $10, you're kind of stuck with $10. I mean, remember, uh, a few years ago, someone bought an original Mario 64 cartridge sealed for $1.56 million. No, that wasn't money laundering. Well, this one doesn't come anywhere close to that, but <laughs> somebody bought the original factory-sealed VHS copies of the first three Rocky movies for a total of $53,750. So a collector who acquired the videos... Uh, who made a time capsule for his son. Uh, the guy's name is Jay Carlson. He sold them through the same, interestingly, the same place that sold that idiotically priced Mario cartridge. The original Rocky VHS, again, factory sealed, sold for $27,500. Rocky II went for $12,500. And Rocky III went for $13,750. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel great for the buyer, or for for the uh, for the seller, because he made a ton of money on that. But when it comes to the buyer, I mean, I wish I had that kind of money to blow on VHS tapes. But yeah, so you know, if you still have that stuff laying around, or maybe uh, maybe your parents had them shoved into an attic someplace, go check to see if you have any old sealed VHS videotapes. You you never know. I mean, granted, Rocky is a different league than something like you know, Ice Pirates. <laughs> But you never know what someone is willing to pay. So tonight, that's it for show number 303. As always, to those few of you who listen, because I understand, movie podcasts are it is an oversaturated market. I get that. I'm a nobody. I had, I had very little production value to this thing. You know, I'm not a Hollywood insider or anything. I'm just someone who... I like movies. You know, I'm not even at cinephile level. I'm at just regular guy at the water cooler talking about movies kind of guy. But for those of you who are here, I do very much appreciate it. You are more than welcome to send questions, comments, all that sort of, even complaints as long as they're constructive, you know, keep it nice, to podcast at widescreen.org. I don't necessarily respond to all of them, but I read all of them. And, well, that's it for now. So, everyone, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and... Well, I would do toodles, but my throat won't do it. So, uh, <clears throat> toodles.
trick with a double tongue But the only fool here is me I choose the way to go But the road won't set me free Cause I wish you'd see me, baby Save me, I'm going crazy Trying to keep us real Keep us alive This day we'll die tonight And there ain't no exception We shouldn't wait for nothing to wait for Love me in this fable, babe My heart is in your hand Our time is waiting right outside your door And maybe Is a better day. This awful, terrible, boring, put you to sleep faster than NyQuil podcast is copyright 2023 and is released under the Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. The widescreen podcast is a proud member of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberrynoease.com. Theme music is by Poets of the Fall and is used with permission. Please visit their website at poetsofthefall.com. This has been a widescreen.org production.